Hallo, servus, euer miteinander and welcome back to Castles and Curtains, eurem Event-Podcast aus Liechtenstein. Mein Name ist Sebastian und ich führe euch hinter die Vorhänge einige der coolsten Events hier im Fürstentum. Das erste Event unserer Reihe, was wir featuren, ist TEDx Vaduz 2021 und heute präsentieren wir euch die erste Episode mit einem der Top-Speaker von TEDx Vaduz und zwar Nelson. Nelson hat eine ganz besondere Story für euch, für das Event und heute ähm, reden wir mit Nelson, schauen mal, was interessiert ihn so neben Ted, äh, worüber wird er bei Ted überhaupt reden und welche Verbindung hat er zu Ted. Ladies and Gentlemen, let's go! Ja, hi Nelson, how are you today? Uh, hey Sebastian, all good, all good. A lot of things are going on right now, but yeah, nice yeah, man. I can can imagine you're busy these days. I've heard. Um, before <laughs> we get into uh, TEDx and uh, about uh, what your role at TED is, what you're passionate about, and what are you doing, maybe introduce yourself quickly to the people so that they know who to who they listen to. Yeah, so hello everyone, I'm Nelson, I'm 30 years old, uh, just hit them recently, I will continue saying that for some months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I come from, from a little country called El Salvador, but I have spent the past 12 years of my life here in Germany, where I am now, um, now I'm like uh, directly in Frankfurt. Um, I have a few projects going on from a social business, trying to uh, find people who need help and people who could potentially help them to whisper an innovation agency where I am recording everything now. And also a new startup around the virtual reality and the metaverse that I'm not really allowed to talk much, but yeah, so that's quite what, what is going on. And what I live for, like my mission is to spread innovation, to make it easy, especially for the people that usually all sorts of innovation management and innovation methods uh, topics don't reach. So I want to make it to, to, to just like communicate in a way uh, and through channels that everyone can learn about it. Okay, nice. Um, I saw on your on your LinkedIn since you're talking about uh, innovation that you call yourself an innovation igniter. And I was going to ask you uh, what you understand under under innovation igniter uh, specifically, but I think you explained <laughs> a little bit already. But uh, since you're in Frankfurt in your in your new office at WeSpark, maybe uh, you can tell us a little bit about what you guys do in there, and yeah, tell us a bit a little bit, a little bit about your innovation aspect of there. Yeah, sure. So um, as you know, like we we try to build the first uh, real innovation space. But I will have to do a little flashback into around three and a half years ago, I, I wrote some sort of like rant article, just me kind of uh, describing how disappointed I was with the situation of innovation rooms and innovation spaces in Europe, because uh, I have visited quite some of them, uh, some that you will go and check and, and enter and think like, wow, this place is really nice looking, really awesome. But if you spend one day there, then everything becomes dull and uninteresting. And yeah. that's because uh, back then I argumented that there's two, two types of, of like innovation spaces, the ones that are um, show off, you know, and the ones that are functional. So we tried to build the first real and functional innovation space here, but just designing it uh, from a innovation process perspective. You know, an idea starts with a challenge and then creating different areas, multifunctional areas that will get you uh, through the 
entire thing, like from uh, places to sketch and design at the beginning to later uh, areas where we can uh, or everyone can prototype and actually, you know, like even uh, prototype electronics, 3D print stuff and so on. So, and so at it's the a end, bit like, like an it's area a bit like an open filming. workspace for people that want to try something out, work on new ideas um, and then they can use your workspace. Um, yeah, I mean, it's available for everyone. They just have to get in contact with us, uh, especially because of COVID. It's not like everybody can go in and out at any moment, right? It's but, not that easy anymore. But, yeah. It's getting yeah, easier now. It's getting easier now. Yeah, yeah. I hope. But you know, the, the, the real dream before I started my company, Whisper Innovation Agency, I wanted to build the first innovation lab, so to say, the like first, first functional innovation space inside of a ship. Actually, it would be like some sort of inner ship, you know? <laughs> and I went so far to even kind of find a guy who owns a bank, a small bank who could give me, uh, let's say like the financial background to ask a bigger bank for 2.1 million euros to build this ship. Um, and it's crazy. I, have, I still have the schematics and everything, but as I still didn't have a company back then, I quite got cold fit, you could say. Mm -hmm. And I decided to first test the business model by building a room, like a, a functional innovation space on an actual building. And But once I started my company, I find out, okay, this is actually quite difficult too. And nobody wanted to rent me a space because my company was too new. And they are like, hey, look for us, this is like playing lottery, mm -hmm. right? But if we win, we will just get the normal that everybody else can pay. So I decided, okay, I'm going to take, uh, like kind of test the business model of, of running an innovation agency before without having a space. At first, I just had like a table at a co-working space here in Frankfurt called, called WeWork. And then now we move back to the to the point where we have uh, like this, this like half of a dream of building our first functional innovation space. And I hope in three to four years, we can actually go back to the real dream of building this huge ship. <laughs> the, the ship, yeah, would be <laughs> nice. Would yeah. be nice. It's a cool idea because I agree there's, there's lots of open workspaces popping up these days and everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and try out their own things. But uh, it's like you said, they're either very functional and a bit boring on the other side, or they try to be very special, but then they're very unfunctional. So I think it's quite a good idea that you that you try to launch something that combines both of it. And if I think about it, to have it in the ship, that'd be mind blowing. So I hope <laughs> I wish you good luck with that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, like it would really started because I visited one space and they had this really cool drone, but it was behind glass. Yeah, and then they have this really cool like new VR headset, and they have it without glass. And there was no computer to, to steer it. And they had this huge, huge whiteboard, you know, like maybe 20 people could write on top of it. But I am sure that on day one, some artists wrote a really cool, like, welcome text with lots of, you know, like, really nice looking uh, sketches. So nobody dared to even erase it. So the biggest kind of like area to design or sketch things was at one time just render useless <laughs> because nobody wants to get rid of this really nice art. So this is how you recognize an, an, an innovation space. It's basically just like normal meeting room, bigger, but looking cooler, but not, mm -hmm. but, but it's like without a soul, without a heart. Yeah, true. Yeah, Needs a bit yeah. of both heart and functionality for sure. Um, topic change, Nelson. Yeah. You're from you're from El Salvador, and now you're uh, living in Frankfurt, working in Frankfurt, and you're coming to Liechtenstein for TEDx. 
What happened, mate? <laughs> Hashtag international. Hashtag um, international. Yeah, what, what brought you to, to Europe or Germany, first of all? And then, um, I, then I'd like to know as well, like, from Frankfurt, uh, why Liechtenstein TEDx? All right, all right, sure. Uh, let me get into that story. I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle first the per, the, the part of how I got to Germany. Uh, I'm gonna try to keep it short. In 1974, uh, I was <laughs> 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 I wasn't planned, uh, but my father was. In in fact, he was actually 10 years old, and uh, he had measles. You know these little like red dots that you get on your skin that almost everyone gets at some mm -hmm. point when you're when you're a, a, you know a child. Mm -hmm. So we he couldn't it, go we, to we school. Call, we call it windpocken. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Vinpokan. Uh, so during this time, he couldn't go to school, but also the uh, football or soccer uh, World Cup was going on in Germany. So my father loved soccer and he was watching the TV um, and watching every single one of the matches. But the interesting part is that before every single one of these games, they will show like a one hour documentary about the city where they went they were they were going to take place and my father was always watching those documentaries about the cities and he was just comparing like wow these houses have these beautiful uh triangular looking <laughs> roofs and the streets they look so different and, and clean like without electricity cables on the top and the people are wearing really funny dresses and suits and, and, and driving these super nice future looking cars. So in his mind was always a thing like, wow, Germany must be a really cool place. Um, flash forward, uh, he wanted, uh, when I came to the world, that I go to the German schools. Later, even my sisters joined. Flash forward, when you go to the German school, like it's quite obvious, like you don't get tortured learning German and then just not go to Germany, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to just come here and study, uh, back then it was a product development, basically just like become an industrial engineer. Mm -hmm. And then I did an MBA. And after that, I just decided to stay here in Germany and continue working. Uh, eventually I ended up working for Lufthansa and then I moved into like like I stayed in Frankfurt, but I, I moved into the whole entrepreneurial um, scene, so as to say. And now you've and got your now you've got your own uh, yeah. own company, and soon uh, exactly. a company in a boat, hopefully. And then the second part, yeah. the second part on how from from Germany to Liechtenstein. So I have this very good friend of mine, Sebastián Españolo, and he has done a TED a TEDx before. Um, so he told me, hey, Nelson, look, there's a TEDx uh, not so far away in Liechtenstein. Uh, yeah, maybe we can apply uh, and do a duo. So um, back then, like, since he, like the, the two of us were not here in the city, uh, it was quite difficult to coordinate like when we prepared it together. So I asked him at the end, hey, man, it's, it's okay if I apply for this one and then we do the duo uh, right after or on the year after. And he agreed to it. So, you know, like it, it was really inspiring because he's within my group of friends, the first one who ever did a, a TEDx uh, in Argentina. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, maybe one day I can do one. Like I have I have uh, a few a few messages that I really want to spread through the world. And yeah, like when I saw him, it really inspired me. I remember I have watched it maybe like three times, his TED talk already, and I have liked it. It's about how, uh, by the way, for the ones who are curious about how uh, gaming changed his life. And how gaming little, changed his life? Okay, that, yeah, sounds, that sounds interesting. 
Just as a little teaser, he's like, okay. he was playing already video games, goes to the school, and it's like, okay, children, we're going to learn the alphabet. So A, B, C, D, and he's like, ah, that's weird. It's usually Q, W, E, R, T, Y, you know, like, uh, pretty like, like the, game. Like yeah, the yeah, like keyboard, the keyboard. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, if you want to listen, it's actually really cool. Uh, yeah, so he's the one who inspired me. He's the one who, who told me to apply. So, mm -hmm. uh, And that's, that's, uh, the going day, into, that's going towards yeah. a similar direction like your talk as well, right? So, um, education in some sense and, and innovation in that, in that topic as well. So, is that the guy who not only brought you to Liechtenstein? By the way, thank you, uh, Sebastiano. Uh, <laughs> Also the guy who, who inspired you. Uh -huh. Yeah. Also the guy who inspired you to talk about innovation in that field. Um, not really. Like, look, he's a he's a person who brought me into the whole like do-it-yourself computer world. I have to admit, I was quite always a geek, but not into that part. And thanks to him, I learned a lot. Uh, but staying at, around the top of education and why this topic, um, I believe that. When the two of us met back in university, we matched quite quickly because the two of us didn't have, let's say, like usual, in, like usual education. In our last two years, we both were part of a program called the International Baccalaureate, uh, or, the, or better known as IB education mm -hmm. program. And this program, um, well, it wasn't it wasn't developed so far away from Liechtenstein. It was it's a Swiss developed program. Uh, where they try to teach other things that you usually don't learn at school, like uh, knowledge about learning, uh, where, where they try to tell you a little bit about, let's say, like having your own opinion and being extremely, um, let's say, like always analyzing everything what you hear and go through these like bias filters and understand who's the person talking to you and what, you know, like a hidden agenda they might have. And then just being, being a critical thinker uh, about everything. And, and that kind of changed uh, my life. Uh, Sebastian has said that also changed his life. So it was always a common topic. Uh, this one really, really big problem with this, with this program. Um, I had it subsidized, and I don't know about Sebastian, maybe too, but it's 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 highly expensive. Like even mm -hmm. here in Germany, people whom I was working with, being a senior innovation manager in, for example, Lufthansa Group, the people that that I knew that had children in school and told me like, yeah, there's this school, the IB, but that one is extremely expensive. I mean, it's like we can afford it, but then we cannot save anything. So this is how expensive it is, and that's the 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 biggest like problem that it has. So why nicer education becomes unreachable at once? Why can you not have like higher quality education that is available for everyone? Mm -hmm. And from from this problem being there, and uh, not many people, at least, um, or the field that I have, that not, not many people were doing enough, I decided to, to, you know, like to do a TED talk around this topic. Yeah, I think I think it's good that someone does because, I mean, we had we had the or we have we still have the Corona situation and Corona really forced schools and school systems from one day to the next day to completely change. You know, from being present in school to working remote, from writing stuff on the chalkboard like back in you know the 19th 18th century to having your classes digital and. I've been out of school for, for eight years now, but my sister's still in. And so, so I hear a lot about how they do it. And most teachers 
they're not really doing too well with it I've heard so a lot of them they just give uh, their their uh, pupils um, textbook pages be like oh read page 222 to 230 and do tasks 1 to uh, 15 and then in two weeks we meet together and we discuss what you found out and I feel like you know this really this really shows what problems there are in the in the current school system so even though the force towards innovation was kind of pushed by corona you know to digitalize to to think about new methods to teach things um there's really still a huge lack of innovation and even the the teachers and the school systems and everything it's not only the lack of innovation it's also the the lack of motivation to innovate which i think is quite a problem so i i really like that you are one of the people that talk about how to innovate the education because it is actually something that our education system needs. Yeah, and Sebastian, imagine like this little perceived innovation was was due to Corona, but you still said that your sister, and from what you have heard from your sister, that is quite not there. I mean, and now think that you're in Liechtenstein, like this is, I am 100% sure, like uh, top 20 best places to be in the entire of Earth You know, it's quite a luxury mm -hmm. how we live our lives, if you think about it. Now, just in comparison, Germany, um, I have a, in, my, in my circle of friends, a teachers who tell me I had to pay our own Zoom license because the school wouldn't provide it. They didn't even get, uh, for example, one hour lecture on how to do online classes. That's crazy, isn't See, it? If you think yeah. about it, because there's lots of kids and families that cannot afford that. Yeah, see or nothing. Yeah, and now let's go on that side. What happens in El Salvador? What happens in India? Yeah. What happens in some South South East Asian countries? What happens in in some African countries? It's just like the same challenge that we all have uh, multiplied by 10 to the exponency of I don't know, think of a number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just magnitudes of order more more challenging. Uh, like in my country where I come from, um, education stopped. For, for some time, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, schools, like for, for the scholars, it's like, yeah, cool, school sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, that's what you think Vacation. when you're young. Like when I, when I was in school, I was hoping every day, you know, I was hoping something like Corona comes up that suddenly you don't have to go to school anymore, obviously, but, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, with, in retrospective and, and with a bit of a bird's view, It is something that's that's very crucial and important. And of course, it's funny to have a day off or two because something weird's happening in school or some virus is popping up. But on the long run, you know, you do want yeah. your kids <laughs> or your, your, your people to have the best education possible. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, since you mentioned, um, for example, South American countries or, or Southeast Asian countries, and I mean, there's obviously no comparison to Liechtenstein, Germany or, or other European countries. But I'm, I'm sometimes wondering uh, with the circumstances that there are or the, the infrastructure you have and the funds you have in countries like Liechtenstein in Germany, I mean, there should be, you know, there should be more to it and more innovation and it should be more modern and I don't know. Yep. So right, right now, um, like we are for the first time, like until now, my, my company has run without any external funds. Mm -hmm. um, which I'm super happy that it was the way and I'm going to keep it that way. At least like the company is only owned by me so I can really steer it and check that it always goes in the right direction. Like for example, that doing one third of pro bono 
Um, like last year, we educated over 700 children uh, from, let's say, a more of a challenging background uh, from third world countries, and we we taught them innovation methods and and kind of gave them input so that they can adopt the right attitude, the right mindset to mm-hmm. you know change things in the world. Uh, but um, where I was going with this is that um, looking forward, we are we have applied to to a few projects and a few you know let's say like uh, funds programs to continue spreading what we do. One of the things that we have planned is to start some sort of Spark Academy first in English, and then uh, for the NGOs that we work with, we want to make this program for free for everyone else. Uh, if they want to learn our way, like our unique innovation methods that, that we design here in house, and also some from from others, you know, kind of like in a really nice combination. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they can pay, and they are basically subsidizing the the um, let's say like the learning opportunity for others who cannot pay the price. S- some sort of like social scheme, if you think about it, and then you know at least a little part flows back into Whisper, so that we can always get enough of the time to 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 record and continue producing the material and continue exactly. producing and the also you need so, funds to you know yeah. to to run more projects and stuff yeah yeah so yeah you can only do so many things per day right yeah, so every exactly. day you choose to do something uh try to to work on the most um urgent things or the ones that you can prioritize the highest Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 basically, this is one of the projects that we want to move forward and really accelerate on the second half of this year, which is I mean basically starting, <laughs> basically starting tomorrow, uh, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, at the same time, it's really important for us to you know like continue building the expertise um, that we have, and for this, there's no better way than to do it than just like teaching others what we do, mm-hmm. right? Because when you when you have to prepare everything, what you do, all your knowledge in a way that others can easily learn it, easily acquire, easily adopt it, then you really have to go this extra intergalactical mile <laughs> forward and ahead to make it so easy to understand, but not to oversimplify it. And at the same time to structureize it, at the same time to make it engaging and so on. So it's it's quite a process. Quite a process, yeah. quite a challenge, and obviously takes a lot yeah. of time. I mean, founding yeah. a business and then also doing voluntary work and, and supporting projects here and there, that's very time-consuming, yeah. which raises the question, spending or having to spend that much time on, on business and projects, you still have the challenge of preparing a TED Talk. Now, to give the audience yeah. a bit of context, the initial TED Talks was planned <laughs> for uh, November twenty. 20 now we're in summer 21 the the event will be in august 21 so now you having a ted talk you are preparing a ted talk for almost a year now um are there any learnings anything you can give to the audience uh, when it comes to preparing a talk not only for ted in general i mean people have to talk in front of an audience all the time and you know what's the what's the difficult thing about having to prepare for an event that has been postponed so often and has facing so many challenges <laughs> with Corona. Well, um, <laughs> the okay. So for, first of all, like doing this, like uh, search check who I am. I, I don't know if I am the best person to 
to to give advice on this because I'm a huge procrastinator. You probably all have seen by now this, like I believe it's the most popular TED talk about the uh, procrastination monkey inside of our heads, right? So I'm a huge procrastinator. But what I do is I actually procrastinate in quite a smart way. I am always continuing to bring new perspectives and refining my TED talk over all this time. Uh, mostly um, engaging into conversations around it and quite trying to get some sort of a criticism, uh, even if it's constructed or not. I want to really know what others think, and I'm constantly quite uh, bringing it into my, my talk. So what's happened is that at first, you know, I was changing 50% of my talk. Then I was changing... 20% of my talk. Now it's you know, like this refinement, just the, like the details. Few, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Those specific words that really have, that, that are really empowered to change, you know, to, to change uh, something in the minds of the audience that have that opportunity to just spark mm -hmm. these ideas of, wow, I never thought like this. I'm gonna, uh, from now on, I'm gonna do something for education. That's what happens when I heard a, uh, uh, Sir Ken Robinson's um, uh, most popular talk about education. I believe it's called like "Are, are Schools Dead" or something like this. Yeah. Um, and, and and yeah. By the way, rest in peace. Um, he's my favorite educationist. I have seen his his different TED talks maybe fifteen to twenty times. Also, that's one way how I prepare. But like summing up, and it was gonna be like a part. If I want to suggest something, someone who is planning to do a TED talk. The only thing that I can truly say 100% sure, um, I will never regret about saying this because I'm, I'm, I'm true that I'm just so sure that it's going to stay true, uh, is if you want to do a TED Talk, find a topic that you're really passionate about and that where you really genuinely want to change something. Because if you do, it doesn't matter if it gets postponed. It doesn't matter if you don't get accepted once or twice or three times. You will just be there continuing, preparing, doing it better, uh, making a better pitch, uh, structuring it better until you get to that point. Yeah. So I'm 100% sure of that because this applies to everything in the in, in the world, for, to everything that you can do in life, from mm -hmm. family to personal pro projects to your career. Just find something, a, a topic that you really, really love. And, and yeah, then things will just work out. Just fine. Okay, man. We take that no. nice word at the end, guys. It's all about the passion. Find something you care about. Some find something you love, and you will be happy in career and deliver the best TED talks that are out there. Nelson, <laughs> thanks for participating. I'm looking very much forward to hearing you in August. For it's everyone that can't be there in August, uh, the the talk will be online as well. So make sure you check it out. And then Nelson, I'd say bye. See you soon. And thanks for listening. Yeah, it, it was a pleasure. I hope that, that many people get to listen to this and that the ones who do, they do their own TED, their TEDx talk one day. Hopefully. See ya. All right, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, liebe Leute, das war eine weitere Folge Castles and Curtains, heute mit unserem Speaker Nelson. Äh, ich freue mich schon riesig drauf, Nelson zu hören, wenn er äh, hier in Liechtenstein ankommt. Und ich denke, wir haben heute auch schon im Talk ein paar interessante äh, Themen angerissen. Ähm, natürlich noch relativ oberflächlich. Was meinst du, Emilio, das Thema Innovation und Education? Ja, auf jeden Fall sehr interessante Gebiete und der Nelson weiß so viel, so viel darüber. 
Ähm, für mich das erste Mal, wo ich so einen tiefen Einblick in so Themen bekommen habe und natürlich so ein Mensch, der da direkt involviert ist, zu hören, wie er von seiner Passion redet, sehr interessant für mich. Ja, finde ich auch. Also man regt sich auch oft drüber auf, so was alles schief läuft, aber sich wirklich mal ernsthaft Gedanken zu machen, wie man Sachen innovativ angehen kann, finde ich super und da freue ich mich auch riesig auf den Talk. Und an euch da draußen, wir hoffen, es hat euch gefallen und wir hören uns nächste Woche wieder bei Castles and Curtains auf dem Weg zu TEDx Vaduz 2021. Ciao. Ciao.